0: Welcome to Radio Rollback Podcast, celebrating the greatest days of music radio. Now here's your host, Jeff Martin. Hello again and welcome to uh, episode 37 of the Radio Rollback Podcast. Thank you, first of all, uh, all those who have been in touch uh, between episode uh, 36 and uh, now. Always good to hear from you. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, for that, don't forget as well, always a quick reminder that, uh, yeah, we're up to 37 episodes with uh, this one. And uh, all other uh, episodes are still available in the back catalogue, so you, you can go and have a look and get uh, subscribe to us as well, so you get all the info when they... Uh, when they come out, um, this is a special episode in a couple of ways. Uh, first of all, we've got a wonderful special guest on the show, and it was such a fabulous chat that we've actually split the episode into two parts. So this is part one, and I'm sure after you've heard that, you want to go and listen to part two which uh, is uh, really good and uh, our special guest uh, on the show this uh, particular week is uh, a guy that uh, I first uh, discovered on the air working for Radio Caroline on board the Mi Amigo Uh, then he was uh, going under the name of Stephen Bishop and he sounded something like this
1: Three and a half minutes past the hour of eight o'clock on Europe's first and only album station, Radio Caroline. Very good evening to you. My name is Stephen Bishop and uh, I'll be here with you until ten o'clock. Many thanks to Tom uh, Hardy for the last uh, two hours, or three hours here on Radio Caroline. And Tom will be back again at five o'clock tomorrow evening. <laughs> secondly, 15 minutes past the hour of 8 o'clock on Radio Caroline. Firstly, it was Derek and the Dominoes from the album Layla and Assorted Love Songs and a track which was called Layla and then Toto. It's one of my favourite albums of, um, out at the moment and a track which was called Hold the Line. <laughs> There's a special offer for Led Zeppelin fans, four Led Zeppelin singles featuring eight of their best known songs, including Whole Lot Of Love, The Immigrant Song, Rock and Roll and Trampled Underfoot. For your Led Zeppelin singles, send a cheque or a postal order. For £3.99 to Led Zeppelin offer, BCM, Box 1962, London, WC1. The more I hear that record, the more I like it. It's a group called Iron Horse featuring uh, Randy Bachman of uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive fame, and one there which was called Sweet Lou Louise, and before that was Roxy Music from the album Roxy Music's Greatest Hits, and a track which was called Virginia Plain. This is Graham Parker. That, of course, is the latest album by Graham Parker and the rumor. Went to see Graham Parker, actually, live in uh, Suffolk a couple of months ago. What an excellent band they are. Love to go and see them again. Maybe I'll get around to doing that when I'm on land again. Right then, here's a record I'd like to play, especially for a friend of mine in Hertfordshire. Really super stuff there from ACDC, from the album If You Want Blood, and a track now which was called Whole Lot of Rosie. Radio, Radio, Caroline. The Longplayer is Kent's leading chain of record stores with branches in Canterbury, Maidstone, Ramsgate and Margate and the Turntable branch in Ashford. And when the Caroline Roadshow plays in any of these towns, we've, ju- we've just mentioned, you'll receive a 50 pence record voucher at the door to spend in any long player shop. Long player shops in Canterbury, Maidstone and Ramsgate. That's uh, Stephen Bishop on board the Mi Amigo on Radio Caroline.
0: And um, radio presenters are of very much, or DJs, are very much like uh, uh, your mates and your friends. And some of them, when you hear them, uh, you don't like them at all, and you never do. Uh, some of them, you hear them, and they grow on you a little bit. With uh, Stephen Bishop, the moment I heard Stephen on air, he, uh, yeah, just warmed to him. Thought, this is this is a guy that uh, I really like to listen to. And I'm not just saying that because he's our special guest uh, on this uh, this uh, episode of uh, Radio Rollback. We know him, of course, now as Johnny Lewis. He's done just about everything uh, in the business. Um, Radio Caroline, both on the Mi Amigo and the Ross Revenge. He's been involved in the Laser 558 project. He was a big part of the Irish pirate scene back in the 1980s and also involved in stations now, including uh, Radio Caroline and uh, also ILR. Uh, I refer to, as I say, Johnny Lewis. It was an absolute joy to speak to him. We had such a fabulous laugh, I tell you, as I think you'll find when you, you're listening. Um, and I started by asking Johnny uh, how he got involved and uh, aboard the Mi Amigo in the first place.
2: Yeah, well... I used to go out with uh, Albert and Georgina on the uh, boat trips that uh, used to go out from uh, Brightlingsea Sea. And I've been doing that for around about a year. Uh, most weekends, actually, we, you know, w- weather wise, we used to go out and I was on the on the trips. And then I think it was November 1978. Uh, Albert and myself uh, got asked if we could uh, have a look at, uh, well, Albert more so generator than me. And I, I was just there as moral support, as it were. <laughs> Uh, So I was going out there for uh, sort of two weeks and that was that was it. I took two weeks off the job I was doing, which was down on a farm and I'd never been back. <laughs> you I mean? Once you're on, once you're on, somebody said once you're on Caroline, that's it. You're on it. You're on it for life.
0: <laughs> yeah, it certainly never leaves you. It's that same. Which you can't remember, isn't it? You can take the man out of Caroline, but not Caroline out of the man or or woman, of course.
2: <laughs> that's it. Yeah, oh yes, yeah, very much so in yeah. both cases there. Yeah. And uh, I, I was just asked to stay. Albert actually went off after the two weeks, but I was asked to stay, and uh, I did did seven weeks that first trip right over the uh, Christmas period of 78. of course the station was off the air then, but um, it was off the air for that uh, six-month period when it went off in October uh, 78 and came back in, uh, you know, Easter 79, but obviously the ship still had to be manned and uh, sort of four of us sometimes, I think we got down to three, but mostly four of us on board that uh, whole winter, uh, just sort of waiting really for the word to go once again.
0: And were you confident at the time it it would go again? Uh, Or what was kind of, you know, the morale like? Was you, you know, uh, really confident or losing faith kind of thing?
2: No, I mean, confidence was, uh, you know, morale was really good. I mean, we obviously knew that Radio Mi Amigo had got their own vessel and were going their own separate ways. But uh, there was another group that were interested in hiring, you know, the daytime transmitter from, uh, you know, on the Mi Amigo, and that was uh, Radio Hollandia. And I think that all fell through at some point, or, you know, the Dutch government warned them off. And uh, then radio, what was Radio Del Mar? Uh, they got involved and uh, and uh, you know got in touch with us and we said yeah no problems you know well, I'm sure we can do something anyway as we were saying the main problem is we can use the ten kilowatt transmitter without any problems at all but uh, because of generator issues on the Mi Amigo we couldn't uh, we couldn't guarantee the fifty kilowatts. so they said they put a new transmitter a new gener- generator on and if you look at pictures in particular 1979 and the back end of 78, you'll actually see a generator on the on the back deck, a big That's yellow right. thing. It yeah. uh, was a Cummings generator. The only problem is that they sent the generator out to us, and it was a 50-cycle machine. Uh, plenty of power, but 50 cycles. The problem was, of course, we had all-American equipment on the Mi Amiga. We needed 60 cycles. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, we broke the governor on it uh, to speed it up, uh, somewhat so it was actually going to well, about 20% faster than it should have been and uh, the voltage was very slightly high so although you know we did actually manage to get the 50 on quite a few times during 1979 uh, there was other things on the ship that didn't actually like the voltage like the lights and the tv <laughs> the voltage i think was about 260 270 <laughs> volts oh, and it's supposed to be 240 <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you know, we actually managed to get it to work and uh, it, it kept it kept the 50 on until I think the last time it was on was um, New Year's Eve into New Year's Day, 1979 into 1980. Not a good start to the year. No. I mean, not a good year for the go either, 1980, obviously. No, it wasn't, no, uh, but, definitely. Yeah, we, we were confident it was going to come back. I think there was only one time when uh, we thought are we going to come back on the air and this was leading up to the easter the week leading up to easter 79 it was so calm and so not nice. in fact a couple of us were even in swimming although it was sort of early april uh, we were actually in swimming and we had no boats come out to us at all and it got to i think about six seven o'clock on easter saturday evening and we were thinking to ourselves you know, if we're going to do it, surely somebody's going to come out here, you know, got to come out here now, put some fuel on. Because we did actually need some more fuel if we were going to go back on the end, some more staff as well. Um, but, um, you know, nothing, nothing occurred. And then suddenly around about half past seven, what can be described as this wreck <laughs> appeared <laughs> from over the horizon. And it was a tug that they'd actually, was it a tug or a I think it was a barge. Yeah, yeah barge engine. Think... They managed to tow off or get off the sands at Margate, uh, which was there to demolish what was left of the pier after a big storm in 78. <laughs> and it was carrying around about 12 tons of diesel for us and some crew. And it came alongside and uh, Chicago jumped aboard. I said to Chicago, are we going back on the air? He said, yes, tomorrow morning. I thought, blimey, we've got some work to do. Then, uh, you know, we did. And I do remember, you know, with Chicago helping him out overnight whilst he was servicing, we were only going to go back on the 10 kilowatt because so we didn't actually trust the uh, the Cummings generator, the, the one that could have supplied the power to the 50 at this time. So we, we were only going to use the Henschel, the smaller generator, which was had no problem supplying power to the uh, 10 kilowatt. Uh, so Peter was working on the 10 and around about, I think, four o'clock, maybe 4.30 in the morning, he went to try it. And uh, it all fired up the first stage. And then he went to put the HT on, which obviously gives you your carrier and everything. And there was a big bang and he went, ah, Well, a couple of expletives. He said, "Let's go and have a cup of tea. We'll come back and uh, reassess." Uh-huh. And basically, what, what it was, we've forgotten to put the crystal in.
0: Oh dear, <laughs> that's all it was.
2: <laughs> so, sort of, uh, well, half an hour became an hour or so, and it just came on, no problems at all. And uh, there we were. The rest, as they say, on that part is uh, history. It came back on with uh, Radio Caroline Dutch Service, and uh, which was separate to, um, you know, wasn't owned by Radio Caroline. They actually rented uh, time, but decided to uh, call it. Uh, Radio Caroline which made a lot of sense at the time and of course other money started to come in during 79 uh, from the religious programs that uh, we were broadcasting and in fact uh, we probably had more money in 79 which was the sad thing about 1980 when the ship sank, we had probably more money rolling in then than we'd had for years so it just uh, happened at
0: the wrong time the ship, you know, sinking Yeah, it's really, um, really interesting isn't it, how these uh, are these things happen because i uh, um... On, on a previous chat with uh, Nick Richards, he was uh, he was saying uh, you know it was obviously it wasn't in the best condition, shall we say? But uh, everybody was pitching in to make it work, and that um, coming back on must have lifted everybody. It must have been especially at the time as well, because you're just coming into the the summer months. And uh, I I remember listening a lot, um, even back up here in Derby, it was still a pretty decent signal. <laughs> but it, it must have been a, a just. Well, just fabulous, really.
2: It was. It was It was a great time. And, uh, you know, we had lots of uh, people from uh, the UK and, uh, and Europe coming out to say hello. So, you know, every calm day, it didn't matter whether it was weekend or during the week, we had people, you know, that were there, wanted to come and have a look around or just uh, sail past and at and wave. And, the, and the, the thing was, you could see that everything was on the up. The mail was, uh, you know, almost uh, doubling every you know, sort of every tender, you know, we're getting more and more mail. And there were there was even talk in 1980 of an all-day English, all-day Dutch service as well. So uh, there was talk of the two services coming back on. And, uh, you know, 50 kilowatts, obviously, during the day for the Dutch and uh, the English service having the 10 and then the 50 again at night. But, uh, unfortunately, uh, March, uh, March came in 1980, and, unfortunately, the Mi Amigo uh, did go. On board... The conditions on board were, you know, very good. Yes, all right, we were limited with water and stuff like that, but food was a plenty in 1979 and that early part of uh, 1980. Yes, we were still springing leaks, but we were used to that. Um, And, you know, it was fairly comfortable on board. And, in fact, if you uh, had a look around or you see some of the pictures taken inside the ship, you can see it was still in, you know, fairly good condition, very good condition, in fact.
0: Yeah that's fabulous and um yeah it was an absolute tragedy in 1980 yeah, and you were you weren't on on the boat at the time though I don't think were you Johnny?
2: No I I wasn't I was uh, I came off about two weeks uh, beforehand so uh, I missed all of that but uh, you know obviously Nick, Stevie Tom and uh, you know the Dutch guy, I can't remember, Tom wasn't it the other Dutch guy uh, were were on board but uh, no I'd actually come off I was due to go back but uh, you know a couple of weeks hence after the ship sank but (laughs) I
0: went back but to to Israel instead. Yes I was just going to say so your next venture after uh, Caroline, I mean did you sort of hang around thinking that there was going to be another boat or did you take the decision that you're going to do something else and hope that it, it'll it'll come back
2: oh well there was always talk and uh, you know people did go and uh, have a look at boats I mean there was one called the Sea I remember up in uh, I think it was Ipswich at the time they were having a look at and then um, before the Ross Revenge there was uh, another ship uh, again it was a stern trawler that uh, Chicago and a couple of others went to, up to Scotland to have a look at, and I think they were then told actually about the Ross Revenge, saying the Ross Revenge would be a much better ship, and uh, that was when they started looking at the, looking at that. But that was later on in the year. Now I I, I thought always thought that Caroline would come back, but uh, having been involved with Caroline only for about a year and a half, two years at that uh, at that point, I knew that uh, things take time, and um, I was down at the pub. One Sunday after uh, one Sunday afternoon, got back to uh, you know to, to home, and my dad said, "It's been this strange bloke give you a call. He's from Israel. Wants you to give him a call back and reverse the charges." And <laughs> I thought, "Ah, Amy Nathan," <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just I just called called up, and uh, he said, uh, "You know, would you like to come and work?" Has he put it for my beautiful radio station? Yes, They'd just been in Ashdod and Haifa and had a complete refit so they had brand new uh, brand new fm transmitter on board brand new studio equipment so you know he sort of more or less sold it that way and uh, i said yeah i'd like to when do you want me you know when would you like me to come out and he said I'll give you a call back. Anyway, he did about an hour later, and he booked me on the next flight to Tel Aviv, which was uh, lunchtime the next day. Wow. So that was it was it was actually done that quick, which was good because it didn't give me any time to think about it. Uh, you know, it was off. So um, off I went to uh, Heathrow. And well, was a friend of mine, Martin Wallace, actually. I didn't drive at the time. He took me down to uh, Heathrow, dropped me, and got on the plane. When I arrived at Ben-Gurion Airport, This I didn't know until I actually arrived there. And Jackie, who used to pick up the staff from uh, the UK or from uh, anywhere, uh, she picked me up. And, uh, you know, drove me back to the office in Tel Aviv. And she said, oh, I've got one of your friends coming out to join us tomorrow as well. Stevie Gordon. Oh, really? (laughs) So Stevie and I actually went out on the Wednesday to uh, the the, the peace ship together. And that was an experience. It really was. I mean, this tender that took us out. We used to call it the matchbox. It was Abdul's tender. And I'll tell you what, he, he was brilliant. But this... It was more like a floating plank, but it was great. But that's all you needed to get out into the Mediterranean, really, to be honest. Although it did get rough a few times, but uh, not very often
0: yeah and when it got rough i'm told it got really rough out there though didn't it it, it, it
2: was it could be it, it did and also the problem was the, the P ship was so high out of the water and also flat bottomed it used to roll like well one of the uh, second yeah. to the communicator i think which yeah. was probably one of the worst ships i'd ever been on that <laughs> was a radio station but it mm. you know it used to ride the waves quite nicely it was just when it went sideways on it you know yeah. got uh, a little bit uncomfortable as you swang on the anchor around uh, you know as the tide changed, although you didn't get heavy tides uh, down in the Mediterranean. Normally, it would be really calm in the mornings. Then sort of midway through the afternoon, you get a breeze come up. Only a sort of, let's say, gentle breeze, probably about four four to six at the most. Um, But my first experience of rough weather was after I've been on the ship for about five months and then for the next uh, sort of two months or so, it was quite rough. But uh, nowhere near as rough as the North Sea or anything like that.
0: No, right. and uh, you you always cope with it really well. Never suffered, uh, obviously, otherwise you wouldn't have kept going back. <laughs> no I was actually one of the lucky ones I never suffered from it from the word go not even
2: on the tenders you know they could have stunk of fish sick or whatever never affected me one bit you know the rougher the better as far as I was concerned it was just uncomfortable sometimes if it you know it's like we used to say the first day of a storm could be quite fun the second day you know gets a bit wear- wearing and by the third day you're thinking just calm down for five minutes will you Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, huh. it
2: added to the fun of things going bang, bankrupt wallop In- indeed <laughs> and also if you had somebody new on board you wait for the first storm and this is on any of the ships we used to do this but particularly on uh, the ross revenge although it wasn't the ross revenge was one of well it was the most stable radio ship i ever worked on but what it used to do with the 300 foot tower is when that went sidewards on and the wind was blowing against one of the sides obviously it would catch the aerial, the mast and just blow us gently over and keep us um sort of i don't know only about uh, Uh, 13, 14, maybe 15 degrees over uh, for some time. But uh, you you used to cook um, like potatoes and stuff like that and really round them. And anybody who had not been on board the ship in a a storm, their potatoes would be flying all over the (laughs) mess (laughs) room. Stuff like that. It was all it was all childish, but very funny. (laughs) Indeed, good good stuff.
0: So, uh, what was it like down in the the Voice of Peace? Was it um, a fabulous radio station? Obviously, I've heard lots of uh, tapes of it, uh, but I didn't hear it live. But uh, was it a a great, uh, great, great station to work on? Was it the format? It it was.
2: It was really professional. I mean, uh, first time I worked with Crispy and St John, you know, Jay Jackson, Howard Rose. What a guy! And uh, you know. Uh, you, you have people like that of that caliber uh, out there as well, and um, you, know, you know, even the uh, on the on the ship side, the crew side. Bill Bennett, he was, he was absolutely brilliant as well. If you got on with Bill, <laughs> you, you you, I'll tell you what, and I did. I got on very well with <laughs> Bill. You were spalt rotten. Let's, let's put it that way. Uh, and, I, and anybody who worked on the Voice of Peace with Bill will know exactly what I'm mean. thinking. He was he was a brilliant guy. It suddenly appeared. I was on the air one night. And we didn't really have much alcohol or anything like that on board. And I was doing the 12 till 3 sh- uh, shift. And uh, he put his head around the corner of the studio about, uh, I don't know, about past 12, something like that. And he said to me, he said, "You're on your own, Johnny? I said, yeah. He said, I'll be back in a minute. And he came back with a bottle of BroBat with a blue top. <laughs> it wasn't BroBat at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, <clears throat> uh, absolutely wonderful guy. <clears throat> uh, it was a fantastic station. Wherever you went, the one thing that struck me was – Obviously, coming from the Mi Amigo and literally just a couple of weeks after the Mi Amigo sank going to the Voice of Peace, getting into Tel Aviv and you're introduced to everybody, as old as his but you know, bang, 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 he's going to be our new presenter out on the Voice of Peace and being introduced to everybody, including officialdom and you're thinking, you can't do that, it's an offshore radio station you know. come from sort of cloak and dagger if you like, Caroline, to real open Voice of Peace and it was on, It was just on everywhere, everywhere you went, to, not only in Tel Aviv but Israel um, I know Cyprus as well. Uh, the uh, you know countries like Egypt, uh, Jordan. It was just on everywhere, and of course the the, the brand new FM transmitter had gone on. That was hundred kilowatts ERP as well, so you could hear that just about all over uh, Israel, and it just sounded so good. It was well processed. Never, I'd never heard an FM signal like it at the time, and it it, it, it just it just sang. I think actually, if my memory's correct, it was the first. FM stereo station uh, in that part of the world as well to mm. actually broadcast uh, music in stereo. So you know it was it was on the buses. You went into hotels. You went into uh, restaurants. It was it was on everywhere. Taxis. You know uh, they used to and they never used to call it the Voice of Peace or kankala shalom. It was always Ah oh, Abi Natan Abi Natan. <laughs> <laughs> it was his radio station. Yeah, it was a fabulous station to work for. And the other thing was. Um, yeah, we used to get uh, uh, Abdullah come out on his uh, plank, as it were. But we also, when we ran out of, um, you know, or getting low on water, fresh water and fuel, we just used to up anchor and go into Ashdod and fill up. <laughs> um, we, we turned our transmitters off a couple of times when we did it. And uh, then I think on about the third occasion I was on. We actually left them on. We left the AM and the FM transmitters on and continued broadcasting. And there we were tied up in uh, dock, still broadcasting. The crane drivers um, came running down because they were getting RF burn. So we turned the FM, uh, the oh, medium God. wave. Well, we turned both the transmitters off yeah. actually, because we thought, you know, uh, they're getting RF. But, you know, they, they yeah. were saying they're getting shocks and stuff like that. So we turned both transmitters off. And uh, then we had the police come on board saying, why well, have you gone quiet <laughs> and asked us to turn the FM transmitter or asked us to turn the transmitter back on. So we put the FM back on, but left the AM off until we you know, were back outside uh, the, the harbour. But uh, just real freaky, just un- unbelievable, imagine. you know, going in to fill up with diesel or yeah. fill up with water. Brilliant.
0: Yeah, Absolutely brilliant. But
2: as I say, the station itself was extremely well received as well all over the Middle East.
0: And and who, who else? Uh, you mentioned Stevie and uh, uh, obviously Hal Rose, Crispy and St John. Who else was out there at the time with you, Johnny? There was a guy called um, Cass Van Eersel, Cass Collins,
2: who's really big in uh, really big in Holland. What a, what a brilliant broadcaster. And what struck me about Cass was when I first heard him, I thought he was an American. His English was absolutely brilliant and he could speak seven languages fluently as well. Uh, so, you know, again... You know, a joy to a joy to work with. There was uh, I'm trying to think of um, I'm trying to think of some of the other people who are out there uh, at the time. Stevie obviously was there. Um, Benny James. He was another one. Steve Marshall. Steve Marshall. He was out there. He was a really nice guy as well. They're all nice guys. Every Everybody got on really well. Uh, we all had a great time out there. We really did. I always remember watching the Dukes of Hazard County um, with in Arabic. It was slightly different because we used to get Jordanian TV and watch that, you see. Sometimes they used to... Uh, um, you know, we had this big mess room that we used to sit in on the deck. That was uh, like, almost like a prefab unit that they put on the back deck. So we'd all have like Dukes of Hazard nights <laughs> um, or watch English TV because Jordanian TV, what they used to do was literally VHS programs off London weekend. You still get the announcer from London weekend <laughs> as they shot into the the actual program as well. Whether they were pirated or not, I don't know. It was yeah. 1980, but it was yeah. fun. But, yeah, we, we had a great time out there. Uh some of the time I was out there, we never had a captain. But uh, another time, um, for some of the time I was there, Captain Alvike, a uh, guy from Holland, he was around eighty years, uh, eighty years, eighty years old. And uh, I remember myself and Stevie jumping off the bridge um, into the Mediterranean. And apparently he just turned around to, to somebody and said, "I see bodies flying past my window. What is happening?" <laughs> we were just going in for a swim. He was fine. He was absolutely fine. But everybody found it quite funny. no. Oh. Uh, Apart from Aby, because Aby, uh, Aby said, oh, got you want well, to, because well, he, he said he wouldn't send a tender out that day because it was too rough and there was us swimming in the Mediterranean <laughs> six miles out. <laughs> he was having kittens, I have to say. Uh-oh. But uh, great station to work for. What Uh-oh. an atmosphere. I nearly went back, actually. I nearly went back. Instead of going to Ireland, yeah. I nearly went back to uh, to the Voice of Peace for a second stint in 81. But uh, Ireland got in the way. Because, again, you was there right at the start or something, which was massive, wasn't it? It was. It was huge. It was bigger than I think any of us ever thought it would be. I, as I say, I was going back to. Um, I was going back to, uh, uh, to. I was going to go back to Israel, but uh, Keith York. That's it. Keith York was on the Voice of Peace while I was there. Lovely guy. Sadly, no longer with us. He's a brilliant engineer, brilliant broadcaster, great all round uh, friend as well. And uh, he just called me up when I was back in the UK uh, from. Uh, Originally, I was going to do six months on The Voice of Peace, but ended up doing nine. And I came back for Christmas 80 uh, into, you know, staying a couple of months into 81. And Keith just said, what are you doing? And I told him, he said, there's this great scene in Ireland. Fancy coming to have a look. And I thought, yeah, OK, mate, I'll come over. And uh, Keith and I went over to uh, Dunleary. And uh, he was on a station called Southside Radio, which was in Dunleary. Mm. So I did some programs on, you know, a few programs on that. And then Stevie Gordon, uh, of course, who I worked with on the Voice of Peace and Radio Caroline, Tom Hardy, uh, Voice of Peace and Radio Caroline, were over at Sunshine Radio, which is in Port Marnock, which is North County, Dublin. And uh, they said, come over for a beer. So I went over to the Sands Hotel, where they broadcast from, for a beer. And uh, I was going to go back to the UK not long after that. And uh, got talking to them. And uh, Robbie Dale, of course, yeah. uh, was the owner of the station. And he was you know, well known for his time at Radio Caroline. He came up and joined us. We got talking. And he said, what are you doing at the moment? I said, well, I've been doing some stuff on South, say, uh, Southside Radio. I'm going back to Israel. He said, what do you want to do that for? Why don't you come and work for me? <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I thought, OK, have you got a job? He said, yeah. I said, when do I start? He said, tomorrow. <laughs> that was it. But, uh, yeah, that was a great. Trip. Well, they were all great stations. But, again. You know, you're talking about uh, radio stations, semi pirates. Well, really, I suppose, fully pirates, but we we're paying PAYE, tax, insurance, all of that sort of stuff. Um, the transmitters were, well, in, in Nova's case, you know, 10 kilowatt transmitters, sunshine cases. Again, all professionally made, uh, you know, transmitters as well. One kilowatts, uh, uh, I think it was a couple of, couple of kilowatts. The AM, and then it was a couple of FM transmitters that uh, came off the came off the Isle of Man from Manx Radio, where they were doing some refurbishing. So, yeah, stayed in Ireland and was there, as you say, right at the start. But again, everywhere you went. Uh, that's all people were listening to. I can see why RT Radio Two got the ache. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> like, I really see that. But again, it's the same issue as commercial radio. You know, during the Laser Caroline period in this country, was you know, it ain't rocket science. Do what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. It ain't rocket science or it wasn't rocket science. And now they're doing exactly what we were doing. I always remember the classic in um, in the UK, which was leveled at us in, in Ireland as well, was, well, it was worded slightly different in Ireland. But, uh, you know, when we had the BBC come out to, to, to Radio Caroline once, they said, well, of course, the government says you're nothing but a floating jukebox, to which we replied. That's exactly what we are, and that's yeah. all we want to be. And yeah. the the interviewer was absolutely stunned. Said, "Yeah, we're doing something that nobody else is doing. You know, I don't want to hear an aim chat about uh, Joe Bloggs' garden, and you know, for an hour, or classical music for the next hour. I, I you know, I want to turn on my radio." And hear exactly what I want to hear. Like going to McDonald's, you don't get a, you know, you don't get a curry, do you? No. You go for a different shop for that type yeah. thing. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. No, and uh, that but that was levelled at us uh, in Ireland as well. And now, of course, people have actually cottoned on that if you give listeners what they want, they'll stick around and stay with you. It yeah. could have all been avoided. <laughs> it could. Yes, it could. But you know, if, all the if fun they scrap, if, if they had a <laughs> scrap needle
0: time all those years ago. <laughs> You wouldn't have had so much fun It wouldn't have been such a no, fun life, Johnny No, this is it Oh, no, 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 no. I know. I don't
2: take that back at all I mean, you know, somebody said to me You know, would you do it all over again? The way it was, yes yeah. Of course I would You yeah. know, it was a great time And, you know, there's that uh, scene in the, um, the boat that rocks Where you've got uh, one of the presenters talking to The young guy on the back deck Who was just out there sort of Because uh, his parents wanted him to be out there And uh, they were just sort of talking And uh, they were saying, you know just savour this moment, savour this, because it's probably the best years of your lives, the you know, best year of your life at the moment. And it was. I mean, those years were great and, you know, always fondly remember, you know, remember them till, you know, I'm no longer on this here planet, as it were.
0: Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Exactly. A great
2: time. You know, do it now? No, because there's no need for it anymore. Not on, you know, not right. on a ship uh, at sea. Yeah, we're doing it from uh, the River Blackwater on the Ross Revenge. Uh, that's, you know, for nostalgia and, you know, that that sort of reason. And, People do say, it. I do agree with them, you know, when we do the Radio Caroline North broadcasts, everybody says it sounds so different. Why is it so different? Because we all live together and work together for the weekend. That's why we do nothing but talk radio and, uh, you know, we just go on with each other. I mean, I know from the times I do commercial radio on land, you know, I used to turn up and still turn up at uh, a building that's empty and yeah. then I leave it and lock it up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I d- I don't. I'm lucky if I see one person a week type thing or was anyway and, and but, uh, you and, know and that sums it up that's the problem yeah. with radio certainly some of the smaller ones today but uh, that's why radio caroline north works and always will continue to work you know as long as it's uh broadcasting from the ship
0: during the pandemic when we did it from land it wasn't the same no it, it didn't it, it didn't sound the same either to be it fair it wasn't the same yeah. it wasn't the same no it absolutely wasn't so i think you know i'd be a fool to say if it was there we go, that's part one of our chat then with uh, Johnny Lewis and uh, if you want to listen to uh, part two, which I'm absolutely sure to, you do, then uh, then go straight away and listen to part two of uh, episode 37 of uh, the Radio Rollback Podcast when you'll hear uh, Johnny talk about his uh, return to Caroline and his uh, involvement in Laser 558 all on part two of episode 37 of the radio rollback podcast thanks for listening to radio rollback podcast don't forget
1: to check out the back catalogue and use your podcast app to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode